KXNO. Now, today's biggest stories from the BMW of Des Moines Sports Desk. This is an X's and O's update on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And I'm Trent Condon. A light slate in Major League Baseball last night, but the Nationals continue to look to run down the Braves in the NL East. Tied up at two in the sixth, the bases loaded for Anthony Rendon. There it goes! A no-doubter! See you later! Anthony Rendon slams his way to a 6-2 Nationals lead. The call from Masson as the Nationals win at 6-3 and are four and a half games back of the Braves in the race. A big series begins tonight as the Cubs and Cardinals face off in St. Louis. The two teams begin the day tied in the NL Central at 56-49. It'll be you, Darvish, for the Cubs against Adam Wainwright for the Cards. Hear the game here on 1460 KXNO. Also on the local front, the Twins are in Miami to face the Marlins. The White Sox host the Mets. Royals at home with the Blue Jays in town. And Milwaukee late tonight against Oakland. Adrian Hauser gets the ball for the Brew Crew. Yesterday, the Class 2A state quarterfinals from Prince Park and the baseball state tournament. Top seeded North Lynn with an 8-1 win over West Branch. The number five seed Des Moines Christian beat Central Lee 9-7. West Sioux Hayward in a 7-2 win against New Hampton. And Van Meter all over Underwood 17-7. Two-way semifinals on Thursday. Van Meter at 4-30 plays West Sioux. And at 7 o'clock it'll be Des Moines Christian opposite North Lynn. Today the Class 3A quarterfinals begins at 11 a.m. It'll be ADMA Dell against top seeded Cedar Rapids Xavier. And tonight at 7, 7 7th-seeded Boone gets number 2 seed Davenport Assumption. Tomorrow, it's the 4A quarterfinals. And play-by-play action begins at 11 with Southeast Polk against Dowling Catholic here and here on KXNO. Stay up to date at KXNO.com and all day on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Live from the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Jefferson Studios, you'd rather be here. This is 1460 KXNO. Keep up with KXNO on Twitter and Facebook. Go to KXNO.com to learn more from 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Take you till noon. Tomorrow, this time, you've got Southeast Polk Dowling Catholic. At 11, live from Principal Park. Trent will be on the air with that one. And then a couple more before the... Uh, baseball season comes to an end high school-wise. What have you got? Yes, we'll uh, also bring you the semifinal, the night semifinal Friday evening as the Cardinals are off. Which is strange. It is a weird schedule there. It'll be the winner of that Southeast Polk Dowling game against the winner of Johnston Ankeny will be playing in that matchup. So it'll be an all-CIML tilt in the semifinal. And then the winner of that one in the 4A championship. The other local team in the 4A bracket on the bottom side is Urbandale. And then three teams from Eastern Iowa over there. So that's the way the bracket will set up. We'll have game tomorrow, game Friday night, and the championship on Saturday night here nice. at KXNO. Because uh, the Cardinals are on the West Coast. They are. Uh, Oakland. Oakland. Yeah, good stuff. Brian, Brian, uh, Bill Bender joins us. Let's get the Bill Bender Sporting News. Top 25 is out, Bill's top 25. And I know Trent's got some questions, and we'll get to him right away. Bill, how are you? Good to talk to you. Ken, Marty, thanks for having me on. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, far away. I know we put that out yesterday, and uh, yeah. I know I got a feeling I know where you're going. Well, Trent, take it away, my friend. All right, so the top 25, going through it, re-looking again. No Iowa there, and it's a conversation that we certainly had a lot. Was this more 
schedule-based, or was this based on you just don't like the talent on this Iowa Hawkeye team? Well, that's certainly not the case on the not liking them. I just think, you know, we, we bumped Northwestern off. We kind of put Utah on, I think. We made some minor tweaks to what we've had, but... I mean, Nebraska's right there. If Iowa wins their first couple games, knocks off Iowa State, they'll be right in that spot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're one of those like Michigan State, like Northwestern, that it kind of pains me to leave them off because I know how close all those teams are. But maybe we went on that Nebraska bandwagon. I mean, the writers, you can't blame me when the writers are picking Nebraska to win the division. It's true. And they are consensus-wise, and that's surprising. Well, let's, let's go to Nebraska. And they're four and eight last year. Look, they're going to be better. I think everybody believes that, that they're going to be, I don't know, significantly better. I don't think is unfair. Or, or is it? Will this team maybe not live up to the hype? It's year number two. We've seen Scott Frost teams take a, you know, a significant jump in year two. Where are you in Nebraska? Are you buying the hype that nationally this team seems to be getting? Yeah, I mean, we'll watch uh, the, uh, them very closely on defense. And, uh, you know, I think that's going to determine it. I know they're going to score points. I know they're going to be flashy against Colorado early in the season. And we're all going to talk about Scott Frost and the offense. But I think, you know, you got to get some stops with all the different kind of styles in the Big Ten West and some of the defensive lines they're going to face. I mean, the defense has to be there, too. Bill, do you have a team that is completely different? I know you've been doing updates. You, you come out right after the national championship game, way too early, top 25, pre-spring, post-spring, mid-summer here before the year. Is there been a team that you've had, not not a move up or down a spot or two, but a real big jump or real big fall from when you first put this list together? Well, UCF is the one that we're kind of leery on now. They were up probably around where Army was early, but, I mean, the quarterback situation is so unsettled. Rather, you know, they might not have McKenzie Milton. They might not have Daryl Mack Jr., so they're down to Brandon Winbush, the Notre Dame transfer. I think you're asking a lot out of a transfer quarterback, but the thing is, they're probably the most talented team in that conference. So it's one of those deals where we still kept them in the top 25, but they're going to have a lot to prove early in the season against Stanford. I know you're a brilliant uh, college football mind, uh, Bill Benner, because the team 16 is Army, and I'm all over this team. Uh like because of the quarterback in particular, I mean Hopkins is 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 outstanding. Last year they really they scared the crap out of Oklahoma. If they play Michigan tough, consensus wise, Michigan this is their year to win the Big Ten. I think everybody believes that. Although you know there is some Ohio State linger out there, and um, maybe you're as guilty as anybody on them because you've got them ahead of Michigan. But let's say that uh, you know Ohio State is the or Michigan is the team. If Army plays them tough, group of five, is this a legit New Year's Six threat, Army, I'm talking about? Absolutely. I mean, they're, they're a threat to beat Michigan. <laughs> so if Michigan isn't ready for that game and doesn't play well, yeah, that, that could get real interesting real fast. So I, I think if they win that game, you start to wonder, can they go 12-0? and Their schedule is not great. I don't think it would be enough to get to the playoffs. It would certainly be enough to push the, the Black Knights into the the New Year's Day six, even if they do, like you said, play tough, go eleven and one, they'll be a candidate to do that. It's kind of cool. I, I, you know, it's always cool to see a service academy yep. play well, and uh, they're going to get more attention than than Navy did a few years ago when they were really good. So every year we have teams that are preseason darlings and fall flat. Preseason top ten teams that go the opposite direction. If you had to pick somebody out out of your top ten, this is your mm. top ten, so. 
it's teams that obviously you, you, you like. And Wisconsin was AP number four last year. They fell on their face. Is there a team that you're zeroing in and, and could fall to more of a seven and five type of year? Well, a lot of people might want to say Michigan there, but I'd, I'd look just I'm real cautious with LSU, knowing that their schedule's tough. They play Texas early. They got to play all those same teams that they did last year in the West. Um, you know, and remember, Ed Orgeron was on the hot seat last year. Mm-hmm. I like our top ten a lot. I think all those picks are solid, but they're the one I'd kind of look and man, if if Texas gets them early, they could be in trouble. I guess Texas could be the other answer. Or, you know, some people might want to look at Michigan. I really like Michigan's talent. I really don't like their schedule, though. They play a lot of good teams in there, starting with Army. I mean, the crossovers with Wisconsin and Iowa are going to be tough, too. Yes, they are. Yeah, it's, it's a good one. You know, I looked at your top ten as well, but I looked at the whole thing. But, Bill, I'm with you. When Trent asked that question, I started to go through your top ten again. Uh, LSU, I, I like Burrow more than uh, most people. Uh, the Ohio State transfer, uh, I think he was okay last year. This uh, this coach that they hired, I can't think of his first name, Brady's his last name, hired him away from the Saints. They're raving about him. Uh, at number eight, Felipe Frank seems to have found um, you know what it takes to play quarterback again after seemingly falling off the first face of the earth. Maybe not like Khalil Tate did at Arizona, but Frank's had a big step backwards, and apparently he's found it again. I can't find a team, Bill, is where I'm going to knock on that's going to be, you know, the, when we look back, that you have in the top ten that's nowhere to be found. I can't find one. I thought Wisconsin kind of jumped out last year. I remember that just thinking, man, they're a little overranked, but you know, somebody could. It could be Notre Dame. I mean, Notre Dame's got tough games on the road at Georgia, at Michigan. That one's really oddly placed on the calendar, too. We're used to seeing them in September, and then they go to Stanford. So Notre Dame is going to have their hands full as well. But, I mean, you know, I was kind of saying this yesterday. If you look at our top 25 and you stop at Army at 16, I don't think you find a playoff contender outside of that. Uh, maybe – you know, maybe somebody out of the Big Ten West, maybe. But I think that top 15 has six SEC schools mm-hmm. in it. So when 40% of the kind of the playoff contending field comes from one conference and Alabama dominates that conference, that ought to tell you something. You know, and to that end, Bill, I mean, you're, you're the first time you're the highest ranked Pac 12 team is Utah. What does that say about the conference? Oh, you do, you do. I beg your pardon. Yes, you do. You have Oregon thirteen, so um, and Washington fourteen. Uh, so, so I mean, there, but, let me take that question back. Trent, your turn. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, Bill, I mean, well, not to interrupt, but I mean, so Oregon, Washington, Utah—they're all kind of lumped together. I think the three of us would all look at them kind of the same. That mm-hmm. yeah, they're pretty good. But do you really think any of those three teams is a true playoff mm-hmm. contender? I, I'd be. On the fence at best. I like Utah the best of the three. And, and at minimum, you have to go 12-1 and one in the Pac-12 to mm-hmm. get an invite. I don't see an 11-2 and two Pac-12 school with what's happened the last few years getting in, and that makes it that much more difficult where you can see a two-loss SEC team. You can see a two-loss Big Ten team. You can't see it out of the mm-hmm. Pac-12. Mm-hmm. At the top, you went with Alabama over Clemson. Is it revenge tour from what happened in the title game last year? I know we're splitting hairs here, but what was the difference for you? I like what they've got coming back on defense just a little bit more. Um, you know, Clemson did lose its entire defensive front, and they've got some talented guys behind them. I get that. But I think when you are literally splitting hairs, like you said, and 
with us is not being cute. I just with Alabama revenge tours that that's been proven that they come back and strike with a vengeance. I get that they have new coaches. I get that there's some concern whether Tua can stay healthy, but I like them just a little bit more, and I think they'll be tested a little bit more in the SEC. And uh, I guess we're doing round five. I saw they were making a seventh Rocky movie. I'm wondering if no, are they Alabama Clemson? Yeah, he's. I don't know what to do with that kid. I may go see it. We'll see. Yeah, I'm out. <laughs> so you have speaking about you have the Big Twelve out of the playoff, right? You've got Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, and Alabama. There's your four. Uh, they're the highest ranked teams. So you've got a couple from the SEC. Big 12 on the outside looking in. I like Texas better than Oklahoma, but uh, the way you've got it right now, uh, it'll be no playoff for a Big 12 team this year. Well, we have Texas in. We we have Texas in instead of Georgia. But if you want to put Georgia in instead of Texas, that's fine. I just think it's hard to project two teams from the same conference. At least I hope we didn't change that. But uh, I guess, you know, with our playoff projections, we went with Texas. And I get what the rankings say, and I get like the kind of the hypocrisy of that. But a preseason ranking versus who we think is going to win the Big Twelve, I guess we're going with Texas there. So I don't know. I, you know, Georgia and Alabama could probably get in again, but I think they just you almost have to have them both go undefeated in the regular season. And I think that's really tough to pull off. Indeed, uh, Bill. What else you got? Uh, not that this wasn't enough, but what have you got coming up for the rest of the week at SportingNews.com? Yeah, we got our conference pro- projections coming, predictions, uh, some NFL predictions out there. I think you guys will definitely take notice of our Super Bowl product- prediction anyway. And hint, it's not the Packers. I tried to push for it in the meeting. They weren't <laughs> listening. So, um, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, who we have in there. Chiefs, Bears. Chiefs, Bears. Oh. Two needle movers in our market. We shall see. Well, we'll watch for that, Bill Bender. Thank you, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. Bill Bender from the Sporting News, SportingNews.com. Appreciate it, Bill. Hey, sounds good, guys. Thanks. Good to talk to you. Bill Bender, Sporting News. I'm looking, yeah, at their bowl projections and the playoff projections. Clemson's v, Clemson v. Texas, Alabama, Ohio State. So he does have Texas, or they do have Texas winning the Big 12. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, All-State Sugar Bowl, Oklahoma, Georgia, Rose Bowl, Oregon, Michigan, Orange Bowl, Syracuse, Florida, and Notre Dame, Central Florida in the Cotton um, Hawks where? San Iowa, Diego. Yes, as most everybody has them Iowa State. Against Washington. Against Washington. Iowa it. State in Orlando versus who? Iowa State. Let me scroll. And Camping World Bowl versus whom? Uh, no. Back to the Alamo? Back to the Alamo against Utah. Oh, he's got, a, he's got Texas in the playoffs, so that would elevate everything. Iowa State, Utah hmm. in the Alamo Bowl. <clears throat> I like Utah in the Pac-12 to win it. San Diego's fun, or San Antonio is fun. San Diego's fun. They're both, yeah, it's a great point. Big Double dip cities. that. Oof, those are two good cities. Yes. Uh, come back with Zuba Mahente, ESPN, Miller and Condon till noon, Des Moines Sports Station, 14.6.org. Hawkeyes, Cyclones, Panthers, and Bulldogs. Yeah, we got that covered. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Apparently, Tyree Kill's injury uh, not as serious as uh, some are hoping for. Good news for Chiefs fans. Good news for Chiefs fans. Not good news for Karma fans. True. Karma didn't win this one. No.
Uh, it looks like Tyreek Hill quad, not serious. In fact, his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, is there uh, apparently uh, to negotiate a contract extension for the Cheetah. Zubin Mahente joins us from ESPN as we go around the world of sports with Zubin. How are you, Zubin? Good to talk to you. Doing great, guys. What's up? Well, how much? Uh, and I know the what well, the answer is going to be significant, but you know the NBA um, trade deadline is is usually off the charts. This baseball one, where does it rank, Zubin, amongst the major leagues, the the four major sports? NFL's a you know a whimper most years if there is even a trade. Um, but with the uh, with the way the major league baseball has done it, July thirty first, hard deadline, nothing in the month of August. Do you think that we're going to see? more, I don't know, more, not earth-shattering necessarily, but more action than we normally would have seen uh, around a uh, Major League Baseball trade deadline? Well, it's funny. We had Jeff Paston, our baseball insider, with us on Sports. Who is terrific, by the way. He is great. He comes on during games. He's got a great sense of humor. He's plugged in, real TV savvy, really enjoy working with him. And uh, I was on all weekend. Uh, and we had him on pretty much every day because at this point, you know, through Wednesday, we'll have him on every day. And I was surprised when I said to him, you know, I really thought there would just be more activity because the reason for the single trade deadline for a variety of reasons that was put in place that you mentioned was urgency. It was greater clarity for the players, um, and it was a situation where they wanted to help the integrity of the regular season a little bit. It's something the players' union had asked for, and for a variety of reasons, to help the players in terms of knowing where they're going to be and making it a little bit easier. You would think that there would be not a rash of deals, but when you don't have the, you know, let's go get Justin Verlander in August situation like you did right. a couple of years ago. At two minutes before midnight. Mm-hmm. Right. But they got him, and they were able to get him after the deadline. And you would think that would lead to a lot more activity. Um, just because you almost have the situation where there is a true hard deadline, and there really hasn't been. Uh, Passon said that he thought what was interesting was that there was so much more pitching available than hitting. And this year, obviously, I think it's pretty fair, <laughs> as evidenced by Verlander himself, that this year is all about hitting. This year is all about the long ball. And he just said, really, we saw Stroman get dealt, that there were just so many arms available that maybe it's a situation where, because it's a glut at one but there hasn't been a ton that's been done. He said the team to really watch is the Arizona Diamondbacks. He really feels they have the most guys on any roster in MLB that might be available. And then obviously you never know what could happen last second. So I think it's really interesting to watch. If, you're, if your listeners are interested uh, tomorrow, uh, we'll have a two-and-a-half-hour trade deadline special, MLB uh, baseball tonight trade deadline special, 2 to 4.30 uh, Eastern time. And I believe the deadline is four Eastern time, if I'm not mistaken. So we'll have two and a half hours of coverage uh, tomorrow on ESPN. So it's such an odd time in baseball in general. Zubin, I know you get a breakdown of the numbers. We've talked in the past just how regionalized baseball has come. Major League Baseball has become over the last, the change over the last five to ten years and how different that is. What does that mean for you? What does that mean over the course, not as special with the deadline and more people watching, more people interested on that national scale but the regionalization of baseball how's that impacted what you do on sports center well i think a lot of it just comes down to who gets dealt because i think whether you're talking about our casual fan or the avid fan or somebody in between you know madison bumgarner's name was out there for so long but i think that is a person 
that a lot of our audience would know, mostly from his World Series success. And I think the average fan knows he hasn't been the same sort of pitcher. He's been a little bit injured over the course of time. So it's a matter of how we phrase it. I mean, the casual fan, I'll be honest with you, does the casual fan know Trevor Bauer? I don't know. Maybe Sunday did something because of (laughs) what happened in terms of getting his interest level up or who is this guy or what's this about. But any real baseball fan like you guys, you know what he could bring to the table. And then there's the different arguments to be made for a team like the Nationals, right? They were dead two months ago, and now they're in the the midst of a pennant race. And they really haven't been in the midst of a pennant race since they moved to the district. You know, they have been in the playoffs. They've tried to play in the wild card game. They've never won a postseason series. So that's something we have to think about with our viewers. Here's a franchise that doesn't have a proud, long history. And they've never, like I said, been involved in a race where they could win the division uh, in most years, at least. And here they are, especially in a year where nobody thought they could do it in the way that they've done it. What are the Dodgers going to do with Andrew Friedman? Now, that would obviously resonate with our casuals to avids because I think most people know what kind of year the Dodgers are having. And Brian Cashman has made it clear uh, that he is open for business, and he's always been open for business. And it's pretty impressive how they've been open for business yet be able to maintain the sort of farm system they have. So what we have to do is when we look at it from a player standpoint, we have to just honestly say to ourselves, does the average sports fan, because we have to also admit that the average sports fan, the younger you are, the probably the lesser of a baseball fan you are. That's not a hard and fast rule, but that's something that we do have to take into account. You know, So when we talk about guys and talk about teams, we have to kind of be cognizant of who we're talking to and how it works. I think you're right. It is a regional sport. We've discussed that on numerous occasions. But for a single trade deadline, it is something that I think all teams, whether you're a buyer or a seller, can sort of aspire and get behind. So we'll have to see how it works, but I think we really have to look at it on a player-by-player basis because unlike the NBA, where there's a clear division between a major trade and a guy that's thrown into a trade to make the money work, it's a little bit different in baseball, especially when you get to the prospect level in baseball, where you've got 1% of the audience and the anchors, frankly, (laughs) that know who some of these guys are, especially if they're prospects. Uh, we'll get to football in a moment. I want to switch to basketball and, uh, and zero in on the basketball tournament that ESPN uh, has been airing uh, over the uh, last week or so. I think it started, what, last uh, middle of the week last week. I found myself watching a whole lot more than I thought I would, Zubin, and I, I actually enjoyed it. And, you know, I'm still on the fence with this Elam ending. For the most part, I'm 99% buying in on this. I like what it's doing. But as Trent points out, I think correctly, it really eliminates any opportunity to have that buzzer beater in front of the home crowd type of thing where the building just explodes. But other than that, the Elam ending, uh, when you first heard about it, where were you? And after you've seen it uh, come to fruition in these games, have you changed your mind at all? Well, it's funny you say that because I had Trent's probably smiling here. Trent, uh, I was doing Sports Center Saturday night, and Trent had, I, I, I thought Trent was going to lose a ton of sleep after Iowa United had lost during the week because he's a huge Iowa lifer. And I, it was I didn't know Trent was going to be able to come into the studio and do the show the next day after Iowa United had lost. But it's one of those things where Trent and I were joking on Saturday. Um, we actually were commiserating because uh, I did the highlights on Sports Center of a TBT game the basketball tournament with the Elam ending that, believe it or not, Ken had a buzzer beater. <laughs> so it actually does it happen. Does? Time to time. It, uh, not it does. Not a true um, buzzer beater. It was a game winner because there wasn't yeah, a horn going off as the ball left his hand. Right. But I would say once we hit the Elam ending, since the game clock is out, right, right I would right. refer to it 
as a buzzer beater. The shot yeah. clock remains, but the game clock is out. So I guess technically, I guess you're right, I'm right. It's just a matter of there was no zeros to be had in a situation like that. But I think the biggest thing for this is, Ken, for us, is obviously this is a made-up type situation just mm-hmm. to you know take advantage of the interest in basketball. And it's pretty cool to watch. There was a team called, for your listeners that may not be aware, you know, there's a team called Aftershock, and they're the guys that you know played at Wichita, at Wichita mm-hmm. State, and uh, hence the name. And, you know, they're playing in front of their home fans. Or there's a team called Self-Made, which is a team full of former Kansas players that played for Bill Self. Obviously, Iowa United, I'm sure your audience is pretty familiar uh, with that or whatever the concept with that would be. Um, but for us, the real hook for something like that, it's the number one thing we're always selling before we're even selling the Elam ending. Because if you watch the TBT, and I believe the championship game is coming up here next month, the first thing it says when you look at the score on the top of the screen, like above the score bar on the bottom of the screen, it says, winner take all $2 million tournament. That's the first <laughs> that you'll see. And that's pretty much evident on any sort of game uh, that you watch because I think a lot of people are unfamiliar with the Elam ending. Um, I had explained on Saturday with the Elam ending for listeners that aren't aware, essentially what you do is you get to a situation where you take a look at the team that's winning or the lead score at the dead ball at the under four timeout and you add eight points to that team's total. So on Saturday when Trent and I were texting, there happened to be a team made up of former Marquette players that had 75 points at the under four dead ball, meaning that the first team to score, if you just add eight, 83 points would win the game. And I think some people like it, some people don't. The reason I said on the air that I think people want to give it a shot, A, there's really no stakes other than the $2 million for the people playing. At large, there's no stakes. So why not try it experimentally? sort of like the Atlantic League trying the, you know, robo-umpire. Why not just mm-hmm. give it a shot? It's not the highest level of basketball. Let's just see if it works. Sometimes when you move the three-point line in the NIT, it's not the biggest thing in the world. Let's just see if it works. But the Elam ending is supposed to. Not sure if it does. But his uh, this guy Elam is a college professor in Cincinnati. It's named after him. Uh, essentially, it's the, it's the namesake. The idea is if you're sick and tired of foul shot, foul at the end of a game, Foul shot, other team fouling, foul shot, other team fouling, foul shot, other team fouling. This is supposed to eliminate that because it takes the clock out of play where you don't foul immediately after the inbound pass. So sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But in, in these sorts of situations, in experimental leagues, tournaments, uh, things that are just kind of there for show, for money, fill in time, getting a couple of viewers to grab casual interest, I think it's perfect for something like that. It would just be, in my opinion, just way too radical to implement in any sort of league. But if the league is going to be something like this, then I just say, why not? Yeah, sports fans are getting a taste of it, Zubin. Um, you know, and, and at first blush, like I said, I liked it, and then Trent talked me out of it with the lack of uh, you know, a true buzzer-beater thing because I think that that's something that – you know, you, you you remember those moments when when they happen like that. Um, what I also what I'm also going to say, Zubin, is this is way bigger, and I think it has a chance to. It's, look, it's in the right time of year, right? It's the, the tournament is taking place in July. It's not quite football season yet. You're kind of in the, you're not to the dog days of summer, but you're coming out of the all-star break in baseball. I think it fits the calendar. And I'll say this, Subin. I mean, the Iowa United, uh, and, uh, greater, uh, catchdemoin.com, they're really pushing hard for this event to come to our city next year to the point that I think that they believe 
that they've got a pretty good chance of landing this year uh, in Des Moines at the, at the Knapp Center next year. So, I mean, if that's the case, that cities are starting to clamor for this event, it's starting to gain a foothold uh, seemingly on a very quick basis. Oh, I don't think there's any question about that. If you watch the uh, game that actually featured the Wichita State kids after shock, they actually ended up losing um, on their home. Floor. I saw it. Yeah, Saturday afternoon. Huge yep. Huge crowd at that game. Now, obviously, the team, the game before didn't have as great of a crowd, and you do regionalize it and move it around. But if you're going to have it in, you know, Wichita, Kansas, I certainly believe that the other Midwest representatives, so to speak, could be Des Moines. And I think the other thing that really helps this tournament, besides the fact that I'm sure Iowa would be able to come up with another Iowa United sort of team that would mix and meld, not just, you know, one fan base or anything like that. What's interesting is, besides the $2 million and the Elam ending, which I still think is obscure to most people, the one thing about this tournament that I like is when I watch it or we do highlights of it, it it helps you say, and I think a lot of fans like this, Ken, I wouldn't underrate nostalgia. I think a lot of fans love saying, oh, that guy? I haven't heard that guy's Mm -hmm. name in years. I was doing a highlight of Wichita, the aftershock, and they had this kid, uh, Clee Anthony Early, on the team. And I remember he was a great player at Wichita State, and he was all over our highlights when when he was playing in college. They were really good uh, at that time under Greg Marshall. And I know other than last year, they just had a little bit of a dip, but they've been a great program, as you know. And I think there is something like that that rings true to fans. You know, I know Iowa United had some guys that were very recent players and still are wearing the uniform, but when you have that opportunity to turn around and say, oh, that guy, or when you look at self-made and you're like, oh, that guy from the Jayhawks, yep, I remember Mm -hmm. him. I'm not saying that's going to rush and get you to the arena, but that gives you that extra little bit of interest that you may have had none before. So, yeah, I mean, I think if Des Moines could get a spot in this tournament and with the area's uh, passion for college basketball and, frankly, the area's passion to support anything, I mean, the USA, I mean, that's all the track and field championships this yep. weekend. I mean, that gets a lot of attention. So there's no reason to think that basketball, uh, especially local basketball heroes, wouldn't. I mean, I, I would imagine you'd be able to do the same thing uh, as Wichita. And the guys love broadcasting it. You know, I was talking to Coach Greenberg, and I was talking to other people along the way, uh, Francis Schilla, that, that, that are calling this, Mike Kennedy on the play-by-play side. They love calling it. Zubin, final thing. This will be the beginning of six months of football. Yes, preseason week one, the Hall of Fame game. But we finally get football on Thursday night. You've done tons of college football, NFL with the Sunday night show. Have you got your marching orders, what your football fall is going to look like at ESPN? Yeah, Sunday night we're going to uh, continue to do our NFL program. Uh, A lot of it's going to be mitigated, though, because on uh, ESPN we still are going to be doing our baseball uh, tonight, Sunday night game at 7 p.m. Eastern. I believe the last game is obviously whenever it is in uh, September. And so that'll modify our schedule just a little bit. Um, but otherwise, we'll be on Sunday night, usually after the late afternoon window, uh, up until essentially uh, the start of the Sunday night game. And for those people not interested, the Sunday night game will we'll continue to do SportsCenter from a non-football perspective because at some point we're going to have the NBA and the NHL back. We'll obviously have the baseball playoffs going um, so we'll have all of that sort of stuff covered for people uh, that want to follow sports other than the Sunday night game. Usually the Sunday night game is great, but as you know, every once in a while you get the clunker before the flex scheduling kicks in. So it'll be mostly pro football dominated for us, uh, but we're still trying to figure it out as we leave around uh, Major League Baseball and see where it goes from there. Um, obviously with college football, you know, the August 24th start, 
is making things really compelling, really interesting. I was talking to Steve Levy. I know, Ken, you're a big Steve Levy I guy. Yep. He's going to be calling Duke-Alabama first game. He's ready to go. We were talking the other night as we were kind of swapping out on the Sports Center set, and he's excited, pumped up. You know, got to give Alabama credit. He and I were talking about during the break. You know, they are willing to play anybody on a neutral field. They won't go anywhere, but they'll play West Virginia. They'll play USC. They'll play Louisville. They'll play Florida State. And now they'll play Duke, all of them, on a neutral field. So it would be pretty exciting to see. Uh, that's his marching orders for August 31. Season will be here, and before you know it, it will be Saturday, Sunday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, and it's just about time. And, and for Ken, obviously, you know, this week, obviously, be the Broncos and the Falcons. So it'll be even, you won't even have to wait till the weekend. It'll be even early. Yeah, and I can't wait. And then Tuesday night, Hard Knocks joins the rotation. Hey, last thing, Zubin. I know it's only been, what, 12 hours or so since uh, episode one, Peyton's place. Peyton Manning, he's so good at what he does. I mean, he was great on the field, and I think he's he's really found his niche as kind of that uh, that spokesman. But he's I think he's funny. I think he's got a great sense of humor. I didn't see episode one. I've got to get ESPN+. Plus. Uh, but what are kind of some of the early feedback? Have you heard anything uh, on last night's edition? There's a lot of people that just love it because in addition to last night's edition, for those of you that don't have ESPN+, Plus, I'll give you just like, a little hint. If you're just looking for a preview or wanting to whet your appetite, um, obviously you can find everything online in some sort of pirated fashion. But the Denver Broncos, obviously Manning's last team, the Broncos website or DenverBroncos.com or the Broncos Twitter feed has actually been putting out small installments. Not that not you can't get anywhere else, but if you just want a centralized place to see if you want to get ESPN Plus or you want to see what Manning's all about, uh, if you go to their Twitter feed, they're putting out segments where he gets in a car and drives around Green Bay, Wisconsin. Right with Brett Favre. There's a time where he goes to Joe Namath's house and uh, he puts on Namath's uh, fur coat and uh, Namath says it'll keep you warm. And Manning goes, can you guarantee it? <laughs> I mean, it's all little sort of stuff like that. He's talking to Joe Montana. He's throwing footballs off a skyscraper. He's playing catch with Ben Roethlisberger. He's putting on the stickum. He's hanging out with Eli. It just plays to all of his strengths, the State Farm ads, like all that stuff. It just plays to everything. Keeps him engaged in the game. I, you know, there's all sorts of rumors that he eventually wants to be involved in team ownership and front office. Um, who knows when that situation might arise or if it will arise. Um, but this is really sort of a more creative way of staying in the spotlight. He's not showing up at the Vegas Tahoe event every year just to make sure people know who he is or is in commercials. This is a pretty heavy endeavor. And when you watch it, I think you'll understand and appreciate, you know, this is akin to Manning, the level of detail and organization that went on to do this. Because he's not just rolling up, putting a microphone on and talking right. to guys. He's being pretty darn interactive. And for, I'm guessing a lot of your uh, listeners have seen it because we've been promoting it on ESPN all the time. But it's really something because he is talking to people that, frankly, haven't talked in a long time. And he's getting a lot out of people that normally are your usual state characters. So... You know, Peyton's got away with people, and I think a lot of people will see that in this series. Really good stuff. Yeah, he's clearly invested in it. That car you're referring to, I think I saw one of the previews of it. Favre was driving Manning's there. They're in Green Bay. I think what uh, Favre said is that car was with the car that Bart Starr won for being the Super Bowl MVP in Super Bowl One. is what I think I thought I heard. So that... And it was. And what I would just say is Manning, like, like Tiger Woods or just a handful of athletes, he loves the history of the game. So yes. I think nine out of ten people would have been like, wow, that must be an old car. It's Bart Starr's car. You know, I think Peyton Manning truly appreciates that the way that Tiger Woods would appreciate an old set of clubs that Jack Nicklaus mm. just put on display. So Peyton Manning, I mean, I think history to the game and love and appreciation for the history of the game 
just adds to segments like that. No question about it. Zubin, great segment as always. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. All right, take care. Good to talk to you, Zubin Mahente, ESPN. So there was a buzzer beater, and you cold-watered me. You didn't tell me about it. It wasn't a buzzer beater, though. That's what I'm telling Zubin. There wasn't a buzzer. There's no clock. How could there be a buzzer beater without a buzzer? There's no clock. Yeah, I know. The... The so the game was tied. Is that what it, it is? It was, yes. Next basket wins. Ne- ne- next basket wins, right. That's not a buzzer beater. No. That's next basket win. Buzzer but the, beater. But the crowd's on the edge of their seat. They are, but then a uh, rebound, and then you're coming back to the other end of the floor, and guy chucks up. Uh, now you got to play some defense, get the ball yeah. back, and then you're. De- I it's like just, it. It's not the same. The anticipation looking at the clock. There's 12. You got to go. Where's that pick? Mm. Where's he going? He's got to hurry. He's got to do something. And it, that antis- you, you miss that. Well, how far will this go? What level of basketball? You're, you're seeing it. This is it? This is it. Yeah. The, this G is, League, no? No. I mean, it's like, what? It, what's the scoring system in golf? The Strat- Stratford's, uh, yeah. yeah. Stableford. Stableford. Yeah. There you go. You see yeah, it? I don't understand it. To this day, I don't understand You it. see it in one PG event a year. Uh-huh. It's something a little bit different, a little bit goofy. I think Colorado Springs is that. they And it's bounced around, but one event a year does that. And then you forget about it. That's it. Same thing here. Yeah. It's a niche for the basketball tournament. That's it. Mm-hmm. It's not coming to college basketball. It's not coming to the NBA. It's not going to change how we watch hoops for a tournament like this, and that's it. Uh, Dr. Stephen Fuller, fullerdental.net. couple of locations. You're new to the area. live on the uh, eastern side of Polk County. couple of locations over there, East 29th Street in Des Moines, 2822 East 29th Street. Also located in Altoona, 410 8th Street Southwest in Altoona. Uh, go online, fullerdental.net. All the patient forms are there. That way you won't have to get to the office. Oh, 15 minutes ahead to fill out the paperwork. You can do it in advance. If you're looking for a new dentist, he's my dentist, Dr. Stephen Fuller. FullerDental.net. Back to wrap up the show next. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Or you get your podcast. It's 24-hour sports, morning, noon, and night. Here on 1460 KXNO. All right, final few minutes of the program. Cubs cars tonight. You can hear the game right here on Des Moines Sports Station 1460 Kicks. And, oh, I imagine we have the whole series, right? Yes. What could possibly get in the way of baseball in the final week of July at night? That's what will have the airwaves each and every night here over the next three. And then the Cardinals get a day off, and you'll broadcast baseball from Principal Park. And then, likewise, on Saturday, you'll have the championship game prior to the Cardinals and the A's clashing uh, out in Oakland. Uh, abbreviated show tomorrow. We're off at 11, but Cappy will be part of it. We'll get the Cappy at about 1035, I'm assuming, mm-hmm. uh, tomorrow morning, somewhere in that area. Yep, we'll have uh, high school baseball then play-by-play. Southeast Polk against Dowling Catholic. Should be a real good one there. Dowling Catholic, uh, their best pitcher, who's committed to TCU, just a junior to play baseball, had mono uh, earlier throughout the summer. Finally came back, was able to pitch uh, in the sub-state final in their win as they move past Valley to get there. So should be a really good pitching matchup. Southeast spoke a couple of titles recently. Dowling trying to get one that I think has eluded them now for quite a while, at least for Dowling representation. Uh, busy championships day. all the time. Oh, it's true. Busy day down there yesterday. Another one uh, setting up for today. Yeah, ADM, our neighbors over to the west, they're leading top-seeded Xavier 2-1 as they go to the bottom of so the third. So you're keeping up on this. Oh, yeah. You? ADM started the state, well, the sub-state playoffs at 10-17. and 17. They win three games to get to state. Isn't that something? Now they got the Getting team with the, at the best right time. record in the state and, on the ropes. And they're beating them. Good stuff. Yes. What have you got planned tonight? 
Ah, uh, baseball. Get Cups back cards. at it. Yes. Marlins, Twins. I mean, I know you're a Twins fan, so I'll you watch, watch a yeah. little bit. But uh, I'm excited for Oakland Brewers tonight, too. Of course, the Cubs night cap. Cards. Yeah. Finish up with that. I think that's a good way to cap off the evening. So, long night of baseball. Nothing wrong with that here in late July. Uh, more likely to make a move that reverberates. See, that being is a big-name player coming to Cardinals, Cubs, or Brewers. Brewers, we found Brewers. out yesterday, but there, wasn't their farm system gutted? It's very depleted. And yes. I didn't think that was the case, but we were told that yesterday. Right, because, I mean, the lead-up for it, the three years previous, was how good this farm uh-huh. system was. And we've seen these guys start to come through, but not as deep as, I guess, what we were kind of sold. Is that fair to say? Or that I just assumed that... The, that, the, that it was deeper. Yes, than it was. still stayed yes. as deep as it right. was. Um, I don't know which one of the three is going to make a move. The Brewers have to get a starting pitcher. And the Cubs have to get a relief pitcher. I don't think they need an everyday player. I really I, don't. I'm, Zobrist I'm is you. coming back. Right, yes. That's not the problem. Consistency, sure. But the base running blunders have been better since the break. The defense has yeah. been better since the break. They've been better since Addison Russell's been getting his mail in Des Moines. That has helped, too. Now, if Addison Russell is... Traded for a bag of balls. I don't balls. think he'll ever play in... Uh, he'll never walk into the home clubhouse at Wrigley Field again. I'd be surprised. Does that reverberate, though? Though it's not a no. big move coming That's in. It's a big name, though. But it's a big name moving out. He drove 90-plus. Drove yeah. in 90-plus the championship season. 90-plus. He will never get close never to that Never get number. close to that number again. Uh, Schwarber, man... I mean, you just you watch on Sunday and you mm-hmm. see why they want... And then you watch him just like tw- twist and turn and... You know, make a stab at a ball and wound up in his glove most of the time. I mean, he's never dove and made a catch. <laughs> Are we going to have a big trade to talk about when we reconvene tomorrow at 10? Mm. Or is it going to be all that build up right until it's 3 o'clock our time and tomorrow? Then thud. And then boom. Yeah, I don't know. Right in the middle of Murph and Andy. They get to break everything down. I don't know. Uh, by the way, congrats to uh, all the uh, three, uh, three other daily shows. Just put up massive, massive ratings numbers. Uh, congratulations to the Morning Rush and to Murph and Andy, and certainly the fanatics who just continue to kick you-know-what and yes. take names. Good for them. Absolutely. Great place to be for us, no doubt. Happy to be here at KXNO. Indeed. Only one way for us to go, Trent, and we're looking up from the bottom, but we'll get there, baby. Um, Why well, you kill us all the time? I'm not. I'm just saying, telling like it is, and, and I well, mean that. You didn't, we, we you didn't gotta, tell gotta it like goals. it was the first one. Got to have some goals to get to. We're building. We're building. Absolutely. We're number four with a bullet, coming hard. Um, Cappy tomorrow. Looking forward to Cappy. Ten thirty-five. Will Cappy have any info on a trade that will reverberate? We're back tomorrow at ten. Murph and Andy at two. Fanatics at four. Rush tomorrow at six. See ya. Fourteen sixty K.